Good morning. It is seven minutes after nine o'clock. An economics lesson for unions at Starbucks. That's coming up. President Biden has no idea what's going on. He quite literally doesn't know even what he's doing. Uh, Jennifer Bukowski, she'll be with us about 90 minutes from now. Um, This uh, guy in Waukesha, Wisconsin, who drove through that crowd of people, he's getting weird. Uh, the uh, he, he was kicked out of uh, court. We'll, we'll kind of kick that around with, with Jennifer. But The View, a program that I have never watched except for excerpts because, well, most of the people on it are idiots. Anyway, they got a little excited about Ted Cruz. What did he say that got them so so excited? Well, we'll we'll find out when Jennifer Bukowski gets on board. She also wants to talk about Hillary Clinton uh, and some of the nonsense that she has spewed. But first, we start with the President of the United States. The other piece we'll be trying to do is, you're probably aware, I've just signed a law that's being challenged by my Republican colleagues, who are the same people who got PPP loans during the, for up to close to, in some cases, up to five, six hundred thousand dollars. They have no problem with that. The individuals in Congress got those. But um, what we've provided for is, if you went to school, if you qualify for a Pell Grant, you qualify for two thousand, I mean, excuse me, uh, you, you qualify for $20,000 in debt forgiveness. Secondly, if you don't have one of those loans, you just get 10000 written off. It's passed. I got it passed by a vote or two. Okay. Well, was that the College Loan Forgiveness Act? Because uh, yeah. I don't remember it. You don't you remember the passing no, through Congress? No, I didn't. Well, he got a vote or two for it. Okay. Well, uh, I don't know how you he could. He says so. It must be true. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, he doesn't have a he doesn't have a clue. Uh, he probably wakes up in the morning and wonders where he's at. Um, so uh, first, the PPP loans not quite the same as this executive order. Uh, secondly, the government created the situation where people needed the money, uh, whereas the college loans, the students decided to take out the loan. Um, they weren't forced by the government out of business or any of that stuff. So, uh, really, um, this is just this is just incredible that this guy is the president of the United States. He is so absolutely clueless that it's mind-boggling. Um, I don't even know where to go from there, Brian. Do you have anything to add to that? I, I don't know. Not really. You... I just wonder if his handlers, after he comes out and makes a statement like that, if they say, hey, um, by the way, you didn't pass a law to, you know, forgive college loans that was done by executive order. So in the future, when you go to do these events, don't don't say that again. Well, they actually twisted what he said oh. so that it would fit. Yeah, that he had... Gotten a law passed. How uh, would you twist that? Well, <laughs> the money allegedly came from, uh, I think it was the, uh, uh, which act was it? I, I think I think it was the Infrastructure Act. Uh, he got, this is what I think, and it's just, it's difficult to follow. But what they tried to say was, 
this was possible because of the money saved in the Inflation Reduction Act? Yes. Oh, please. Come on. And that's the law that he got passed by a couple of votes. <laughs> okay. Can, oh, I mean, man. they must. I can't believe it. They must have to huddle in the back room every time he comes out to talk, take notes, and then have a little conference. All right, now how are we going to cover this? Uh, he said blah, and it's clearly not true. How are we going to make it sound like he knew what he was talking about? Yeah. That's really the only explanation as far as how they can make him seem somewhat coherent. But, man, that's a job. <laughs> I can't even imagine. He sure keeps them on their toes. Uh, I, um, I am going to watch the, the Fetterman-Oz debate just because I think it'll be that entertaining. Yeah, the Fetterman people are already trying to play down the... Uh, Low expectations. Yes. <laughs> well, so, he has so much TV experience, so, you know. Yeah. And then if he does even fair, they'll call it a win. Yes. That's kind of the way they, they work things. Uh, it, it's going to be entertaining for me. Th- somebody is going to have to uh, type in everything that's asked so that he can read it because he can't translate it. And what you have to imagine is that he's on the floor of the Senate trying to get some legislation passed or comment on it, and somebody says, point of order, and they ask him a question. (laughs) Are they going to have to type it out on a piece of paper and run it over to him? Uh, Will he be able to understand it? What kind of a senator will he be? It's going to be fun. Uh, So I will be watching this just for the entertainment value alone. And I, I actually hope that they bring up him chasing down a black guy with a shotgun, not paying his taxes. Um, I mean, there is his you know anti-law enforcement positions in the midst of all the crime in Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. I think he's going to lose because he has nothing, he has no ground to stand on. But it'll still be entertaining uh, to watch. I, I I can't begin to tell you how exciting that's going to be. That's why bother watching anything else on TV when that's available. I may have to watch it on the internet. I don't think it's going to be. Now maybe it'll be on C-SPAN. I don't know. I'll find it. I guarantee you, I will find it. Um. Here's here. Let me tell you, my problem with unions isn't that they exist. They can exist. I'm not anti-union. I'm just anti-compulsion. Compulsion. Compulsion. I know I could get that word out. It's a little early for that word, but I got it. If you want to join a union, you should be allowed to join a union. If an employer wants to deal with a union, an employer should be able to do so. Conversely, if an employer doesn't want to deal with a union, in a free market, In the real world, he shouldn't be compelled to, no matter how many of his employees want him to. He owns the company. He gets to dictate which way they go, not the employees. And if you don't want to join a union, you shouldn't be compelled to. Now, there is one exception. That is, if your employer says, look, I want to deal with unions, I want you to join the union to get the job. 
And then you still have a choice. You don't take the job or you join the union. Everything should be voluntary. But because of Franklin Delano Roosevelt, the Department of Labor, that's not the way it works. And Starbucks, a rather left-leaning group, is having to struggle with compulsory union uh, uh, problems. So they announced new technology that promises to better the customer experience. The coffee giant is set to implement a system that will cut down on work done by employees with new automated tech. The baristas believe it could remove the handmade element from drinks. I don't know about you, but if I have an opportunity to make a capital investment that will eliminate the excess overhead, the excessive overhead of a union employee, I might do that. The new siren system cold bar introduced by Starbucks is part of the company's reinvention strategy, which will use some momentum gained during the pandemic to push the business even further. After identifying that cold drinks made up 70% of the company's revenue, executives decided to reduce the steps that it takes to make the popular drinks like Frappuccino. Have you ever had a Frappuccino? I have, yes. I'm not a fan. I don't think I've ever had one. It's just that, you know, coffee needs to be hot. And I'm not a uh, cold coffee drinker. Give me a Cafe Americano and I'm a happy camper. I don't know about the Frappuccino. In a venti cup? A what? A venti cup. Oh, I never call it that. <laughs> I never call it that. If I stop by one of their drive throughs because it's so pretentious. It is, isn't it? Venti. No. Give me the big gulp size. And and literally, when you go into Starbucks, uh, when I drive up to Starbucks, they know who I, who I am because I ask for uh, the big gulp-sized uh, Cafe Americano. Anyway, they plan to introduce the new technology to automate steps like digging into buckets of ice to make drinks. And nearly half the time, uh, baristas uh, demonstrated in a, uh, in a presentation. So they're going to replace labor with a machine, a capital investment, to get rid of excess overhead. I think what they're really after is cutting costs because they're trying to unionize. It's a lesson to be learned because it happens all the time with minimum wage, with unions. In fact, unions try to tie up employers. You, know, you can't move your, your plant to a non-union state. And they do all kinds of things to lock people in. It's not a free market. Your labor is only worth what your employer thinks it's worth. You can ask for more, and they may see reason to give you more, or they may not. But that's how the marketplace is supposed to work. All right, uh, let me, uh, I got a couple of seconds here. Let me get, uh, I'll tell you what, I'm going to get Steve on uh, before we go to break. Steve, Steve, welcome. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Yeah, uh, the debate is going to be on News Nation tonight at, at 7 o'clock. I'm going to be watching that bad boy. Yeah, uh, that's, that's the old WGN channel. All right. We're going into a news format now. 
I'm going to be watching it. I can't wait. Steve, thank yeah. you for, for the hot tip. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Quick break up against the clock. It is on the Zimmer Radio Network. It's 922. If you got a diesel truck, you might want to fill up. <laughs> yeah, well, you can. Details coming up. Uh, in the meantime, every once in a while, you, you get a good news story. And this one is really hard to believe. It's from USA Today. Uh, following a five-year legal battle that drew national attention, a California judge has ruled in favor of a bakery owner who refused to bake a wedding cake for a lesbian couple because it violated her religious beliefs. Kern County Superior Court Judge Eric Bradshaw ruled Friday that Catherine Miller, owner of Tastry's Bakery in Bakersfield, acted lawfully while upholding her Christian beliefs about what the Bible teaches about marriage. Uh, during a uh, visit to the bakery in August of 2017, Miller declined creating the cake for Eileen and Miera Rodriguez Del Rio before referring them to a different bakery. Bradshaw wrote this uh, in his nearly uh, two-dozen-page ruling. At the time of the denial, court papers show the couple were already married, but were planning a wedding with lots of guests, and their to-do list included buying a three-tier white wedding cake. Her attorneys argued her right to free speech and free expression of religion trumped the argument that she violated the anti-discrimination law. Uh, so it's a small victory, but it is a victory nonetheless. This forcing uh, ourselves, you know, forcing people on, I mean, it's just, just irritating to me. The whole thing is is a mess. Um, all right, I want to do this very quickly because I, I get hooked up uh, on these battery-powered car stories uh, and the whole green energy thing, and, and it makes me crazy. But there uh, there is a, a story uh, Christy Eckert uh, wrote, uh, both domestically and globally, there's been an immense push to increase public adaptation of electric vehicles. Adoption, rather. For uh, for instance, the United States, the Biden administration passed legislation the secured, uh, that secured funding for the purposes of fully fleshing out the nation's electric charging infrastructure to enhance EV ownerships, practically for all U.S. drivers. However, the movement has been wrought with hesitancy and uncertainty, with many individuals not even giving the possibility of EV ownership the time of day. Interestingly, a new study conducted by the University of Michigan has shown that electric vehicles are actually less environmentally efficient when it comes time to dispose of them. The primary cause is the batteries that power the cars. As the batteries break down and erode over time, they uh, emit more greenhouse gases than a decomposing internal combustion engine would. While this is concerning and certainly will give those against the transition to electric vehicles more ammunition to resist the change, uh, that same University of Michigan study found that the emissions uh, that will inevitably be released at the end of the electric vehicle's life cycle are negated by simply driving the car uh, for between 1.4 and 1.9 years, depending on if it's a sedan or an SUV. But wait, there's more. Because... Apparently, if you want to, for instance, 
replace the truck battery in your electric Ford, uh, that's a bit pricey. A month or two ago, I had to replace my car. I bought a 2019 F-150 XL with slightly higher than average mileage for its age. Hey, this sounds like my producer. And an impeccable service record. The truck's in great shape and supply chains being what they are in 2022, I paid more than I wanted to for it. Still costs less than the replacement battery for an electric vehicle. Um, apparently, uh, that battery is really, really steep. Okay, uh, maybe not every replacement battery for every electric vehicle, but... Tim Edelhall of uh, Pickup Truck Plus SUV Talk fame looked into the cost of a battery replacement for an F-150 Lightning, which he'd been driving for a week to review, and he found some pretty startling numbers. There are two possible batteries for the Lightning. The standard, designed to give the driver about 230 miles of range, and the extended range version, which increases that to about 300 miles. Um, he's clearly the kind of guy who wants to get the bad news out of the way first, so he showed a screenshot of the price for the extended range battery to start. $35,960. Not a typo. Decimal point is right in the right place. Um, the more I paid for the, it's more than uh, he paid for the entire vehicle. Or he said that's more than you would pay for your, uh, an entire vehicle. He said uh, that it was uh, for the uh, battery only, though he estimated the labor to install it would be fairly inexpensive. If that seems high, you could always opt for the standard battery range at $28,556. <laughs> Woo! That's not inexpensive, is it? For comparison, the Platinum Edition of the F-150 Lightning that he had been driving all week retails around ninety-six grand. Add the cost of a replacement battery to that, and you're well into six figures. But hold on a minute, he said. Why are we caught up in this idea that the battery is going to fail? I think I'm hearing that time and time again. Hey, did you did you uh, did your cell phone battery fail? Did your computer battery fail? Could a battery just die? Yeah. Could a new Ford F-150 truck engine just die? Yep. Uh, but you could replace a, an engine for a lot less than that. Um, all right, so suppose then you didn't get a battery-powered truck. Suppose you bought a diesel-powered vehicle. Man, torque? Oh, man, those diesel engines, uh, they'll pull Kansas right into uh, Missouri. They're that good. Uh, but somehow, uh, can we not pull Kansas into Missouri? Uh, you want to yeah. take it to uh, Iowa or something? Yeah, just leave it over where it Further is. Further away. <laughs> yeah. But then uh, you got a diesel. You figured you get all the torque you needed and be able to do all the heavy work that you needed. But if you do have a diesel, you may want to go to the service station and keep it topped off. Because there's a problem coming in the near future. Tell you what that problem is in just a couple of minutes on the Gary Nolan Show. It's the Zimmer Radio Network.
This is the Gary Nolan Show. It's 935. It's the Gary Nolan Show on the Zimmer Radio Network. And if you just turned the radio on, I was talking about diesel fuel and why you might want to keep your vehicle topped off at all times. Because the United States has less than one month's supply of diesel fuel, according to data from the Energy Information Administration. Even as the nation has a mere 25 days of inventory, marking the lowest level since 2008, the four-week average of distillate supplied a proxy for demand rose to the highest seasonal level since 2007, according to an analysis by Bloomberg. The low supply and high demand comes from Americans, many of whom are concerned about the state of the economy and prepare to cast their ballots in the upcoming midterm elections. Um, the uh, director of the National Economic Council, uh, Brian Deese, acknowledged to Bloomberg that inventories are unacceptably low and affirmed that all options are on the table for the White House to address the problem. How about just encouraging people to, to drill? How about encouraging uh, people to uh, refine, build refineries? How about just getting out of the energy business completely? How about going out and buying a $90,000 electric car? Oh, you, you, you found the supply, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And, if, and if the battery dies, and it does, it died, if you had a, a cell phone that you couldn't keep charged, you'd charge it up all night, and the next day it works for a few hours, and then the battery is dead, well, that will happen to these vehicle batteries. And then you go out and pay $35,000 <laughs> and buy a whole new vehicle. Steve, welcome. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. How are you? I'm fine. I just uh, got to thinking while you were talking about the battery-powered cars that the relationship to battery tools and the cost of their batteries is probably the same, isn't it? I don't know. I mean, I realize it's not near as much as a as a car battery, but uh, I bought a, a battery-operated chainsaw a couple of years ago, and the saw was 350 bucks somewhere around there. And I thought I'd get an extra battery for it, you know. Yeah. And it, it was almost three hundred dollars. Oh, there you go. There's a deal. And and he go and I and I about I guess when my eyes about popped out of my head, the guy selling it to me, he goes, "You got to realize that's for saw." And I thought about that for a minute. I go, "Well, that's true." So. It's what saw? It's. It, it's a battery operated an Echo. It's a got a great big. It, it's a, all right, you're breaking up, and I'm missing every other word, but I got the point. The The, the replacement battery is, uh, is almost as much as the whole saw. All right. Well, your, your hand-operated tool, your power drills and all that stuff is about the same, I think, too. The batteries are expensive to them. Yeah, uh, but there's a convenience factor. I can do stuff with a battery-powered drill <laughs> that I can't with a, with a uh, corded drill. Uh, but there is nothing I can do with a battery-powered truck that I couldn't do with a gasoline-powered truck. All right, Steve, thank you. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Uh, I do, And I did buy, uh, I went out and bought some Black & Decker power tools. I was hesitant because I purchased a, a battery-powered drill, I don't know, this about uh, three years ago, and it was terrible. I mean, I'd drive one screw it, and the damn thing was dead. Uh, and then uh, I watched some guys come over to my house and do some work, uh, in fact, it was Scotty uh, over at uh, Southwinds. Uh, they they came over and did a bunch of work on the house, and they were using battery-powered tools, and they were working. 
So I thought, well, maybe I'm just buying too cheap. So I went out and got this uh, whole set of Black & Decker tools. And it's great. I never have to worry about a cord. I don't have to plug it in. I don't have to worry about tripping over it or anything. And so I'm, you know, I see an advantage to that that uh, I don't see with a battery-powered vehicle. That doesn't give me, in fact, it just the opposite. It takes away flexibility because nobody can bring me a gallon of electricity if my battery car, uh, battery-powered car breaks down, if I run out of fuel, if you will. Uh, but with a, an internal combustion engine, well, then, then I can. I can get uh, somebody to, to bring me what I need to get to the gas station. There is a story in the Daily Mail, Brian. I don't know if you saw this. Joe Biden was complicit in six alleged white-collar crimes, including tax evasion, using non-public information for financial gain, illegally utilizing his alias email, 634-page uh, 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 watchdog report on the contents of Hunter, uh, Hunter Biden's laptop. Uh, He is listed as, this is Joe Biden, an accomplice in six alleged white-collar crimes in an explosive 634-page report on the contents of Hunter's laptop by right-wing transparency organization uh, obtained exclusively by the Daily Mail. The incendiary report by nonprofit Marco Polo, a right-wing transparency group, details accusations of uh, 459 crimes allegedly committed by Hunter, including prostitution offenses, distribution and possession of drugs, defrauding government agencies, illegal foreign lobbying, money laundering. Uh, It was published uh, by uh, their founder, a 26-year-old former Trump White House aide, claims that Joe is complicit in tax evasion. Violations of the Presidential Records Act. and Somebody else in trouble for that, Brian? The Presidential Records Act? Not that I know of, huh? No, no, uh, no. It's just no. silly me. Uh, my mistake. Foreign Agents Registration Act and using non-public information for a government job uh, for financial gain. Now, what are the odds that one or both of them will be prosecuted for this. What do you think the odds are? I'm thinking slim to none. And slim was has already gone, right? He left <laughs> yeah, town. Yeah, he, he's out. Yeah. None. Now you might say, well, this is a former Trump guy, it's a right wing group, and uh, they're you know, they're likely to find things that don't exist. But we know from the laptop some of the stuff, without doubt, we know some of the stuff that Hunter Biden did. I mean, there was, there's no doubt that he was a drug addict, that he lied on the Knicks check and bought a gun. There's no doubt that he paid for prostitutes. Not that I think that should be illegal, but it is. We know that he did that. We know that he bought drugs, that he gave drugs to the girls that he was with and whoever else. But I don't see where they're going to, where they're prosecuting the guy. He just, he, if you're a, if you're a Democrat, it seems like you not, you almost never get, get prosecuted. Hillary Clinton has done this. Uh, it, it, it's just, it's frustrating 
Because there's two different types of justice in this world. And you and I are not the, on the side that are, that's going to get away with anything. Uh, this report, by the way, has been sent to all 535 members of the House and the Senate. Now, here's what could happen. And I'm not in, I, I am not in favor of impeaching Joe Biden. I'm really, I'm not. But if they found solid evidence that he has done these things, I know it's going to look like tit for tat, but if they found solid evidence, don't they kind of have to impeach him? Isn't it obligatory? I mean, even the Democrats would have to get on board. They probably won't. But they really should. If this laptop has the information on it that you know appears to be real, I'm afraid they've got to do it. I, and I'm opposed to it. I really am, but they've got to. I know, it'll look like tit for tat. That's how the media will play it. They'll pretend that this is just getting even for Donald Trump, which was getting even for Bill Clinton, which was getting... But they have to do it. If just half this information is right, they have to do it. Jennifer Bukowski is going to be with us about an hour from now, maybe a little less, actually, from now. Uh, What's going on with The View? What did Ted Cruz say that made them go absolutely crazy? Well, we'll find out about 45 minutes from now on The Gary Nolan Show. It's the Zimmer Radio Network. It is uh, 9.50, 9.50. There is a story in the, uh, about the Associated Press. <clears throat> the, the Associated Press comes out with, uh, for news people, kind of a, a Bible uh, it's how you phrase things, how you pronounce things, what what is appropriate. And I'm I'm curious, and I'm, I've uh, put out a call to the news god Brian Houseworth, and hopefully he'll come on the program. But th- there was something annoying th- that I noticed, and it was universal. It was happening here at our home station. Uh, it was happening uh, nationwide in the news. And it, it was just, it was ubiquitous and universal. It was everywhere. It was everything. It was pronouncing, it was, for instance, when you would talk about a transgender, they would call a guy who thinks he's a girl, her. And I brought it up to a previous news director and never really got a response on that. But I think the Associated Press dictates how you would announce these things. And they're doing it now. Again, and I find it frustrating, and I'm wondering if this is also part of the Associated Press Bible on pronunciations. Uh, Joseph Curl writes, for the Associated Press, child mutilation is now gender-affirming surgery. Uh, He writes, back when I was covering President George W. Bush, the Associated Press long held aloft as an unbiased news source, made an extraordinary decision. The worldwide wire service decided that, no, there aren't two sides to every story. There's one correct side, and the Associated Press decided the news agency would just present that. For instance, climate change is settled science. 
So anyone who offers their views or, God forbid, real data to refute that should be shunned. Just last year, CBS News anchor Lester Holt laid out what news coverage is nowadays. And I remember us talking about this on the program. The idea that we should always give two sides equal weight and merit doesn't reflect the world we find ourselves in, he said. Um, Holt acknowledged the fact that a departure from the objectivity once represented in journalism could, quote, reinforce negative sentiment some hold uh, to journalists. That we've had to be more direct in our language recent times uh, only speaks to the volume and gravity of particular statements and claims. And the Associated Press is making sure that it controls the language it delivers to its mostly liberal readers. Vanderbilt to review gender-affirming surgeries for minors, the Associated Press headline, uh, a story uh, earlier this month. No, the wire, the wire service didn't use the term mutilation of children. Instead, it's gender-affirming. Uh, quote, officials at Vanderbilt University Medical Center announced that they are pausing gender-affirming surgeries for minors in order to review their practices, the article said. In all, the piece used the term seven times. Euphemisms are the worst in general, but especially awful when they replace a term for a horrible procedure. Years ago, pro-abortion advocates uh, took issue with the term partial birth abortion, technically known as intact dilation and extraction, because the baby is partially delivered before being killed. The AP decided to call it late-term abortion. The AP has played language police before to aid President Biden. When Biden didn't want to call the current situation in the United States-Mexico border a crisis, the Associated Press announced in 2021 that it wouldn't use the word either. Top Associated Press officials told reporters and editors to avoid using the word crisis saying the border is not in crisis. For the record, Webster's Dictionary defines crisis as an unstable or crucial time or state of affairs in which decisive change is impending. In an internal memo in March of 2021 from the Standards Center, a note about the current increase in border entrances. AP Vice President and Editor-at-Large for Standards uh, said... The border situation doesn't meet the standard. The current events in the news, a sharp increase, the arrival of unaccepted, uh, unaccompanied minors, is a problem for border officials, a political challenge for Biden, a dire situation for many migrants who make the journey, but it doesn't fit the classic dictionary definition of crisis in the memo. According to the memo. So I'm wondering... If this is what's going on, when they use these these terms, and do we have to adhere to them? I mean, I would I would love to see the Associated Press quit screwing around with language and deciding not to cover both sides of an issue. Imagine if when they were discussing whether the world revolves around the sun 
or the sun revolves around the earth, if the Associated Press went with what was popularly believed to be true, they would never have covered the truth. When Joe Biden's laptop, or uh, when uh, uh, Hunter Biden's laptop came out, they decided whether it was the truth. They're wrong, and they're wrong plenty often. And I think it's misleading for people who just listen to mainstream news, and that's where they get all their information all day long. I, I think uh, the late Rush Limbaugh coined a phrase about uh, low, uh, what was it, low, uh, low knowledge voters, low, um, low IQ voters. I can't remember the, the term that he used. But it does lead to voters not being informed. And they're doing an incredible disservice. So I want to find out more about that AP Bible um, and, and find out whether or not this is where even the local news media coin their phrases when they're covering the news. Because this is highly misleading. You, you cannot, if you're in your right mind, describe a girl who thinks she's a guy as he or him. Low information voters, yeah. That was the term he coined. And I think that's what this leads to. Now, I don't know if this is their goal. If their goal is to, uh, through misinformation, to, to uh, literally uh, make voters unable to make the right choices to suit their own political gains, or if they really believe that you can do this kind of thing. But I'm going to tell you right now, you take a child under 18 and you remove his penis and testicles. You take a girl and you remove, give her a radical mastectomy and remove her breasts and try and create a penis for her. You are mutilating them. You are mutilating them. It isn't gender-affirming surgery. It's mutilation. And the Associated Press needs to start calling it for what it is. You're listening to The Gary Nolan Show on the Zimmer Radio Network. This is The Gary Nolan Show. 